if we can have a, a story in what we're making, why we're doing it, etc., it just adds, and I think it, it, it gives us some depth in what we're doing. The, the creative process is, is non-stop because we've got the different outlets where we're serving desserts from. From the language of flavour to understanding the importance of connecting to people using relatability and nostalgia as base ingredients, as well as the need to be personal with what you create and consequently share. Andrew creates desserts that cultivate memories connected to much-loved familiar flavours and delivers story-filled delights daily, using both his passion for the creative process and a world-class knowledge that he applies to his role as the head pastry chef at the Langham London. Thank you so much to Andrew and as always thank you for being a part of this conversation if you love it please subscribe it would mean so much thank you without further ado here it is Look, Andrew, to kick things off, first of all, I want to say thank you very much for being here. I can only but imagine you must be a very busy man, particularly at this time of year. I'm sure London is busying up with the uh, Jubilee just around the corner. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, an exciting time. The Queen is. Uh brought us a lot of business so yeah it's it's a good time good and look I thought um it was only fair to share really how I first sort of stumbled onto you which was me enjoying tea like I do um I saw this wonderful little snippet that channel four did um which was a behind the scenes look of the afternoon tea at the Langham um where obviously I got to see a, a lovely little piece um by you where you were describing the new up and coming menu that you and your team had uh, obviously been working to produce um and it just it had so much nostalgia in your in your description it was about biscuits which look for any tea lover particularly a British tea lover we all know the two go hand in hand it's like Wimbledon and Whites you know you just they have to be together but it's just the way you described it, it just flooded back all these things for me about the UK and I thought well it's something I really hadn't thought about there's such a story behind the food and how you've curated that obviously f to create that experience so it sort of leads me to my first question which was when you first arrived at the the Langham you know what were some of the key creative philosophies I guess that you were sort of coming with that were important to you to bring to the table um I'd like to say good question uh, good question <laughs> uh, when I joined the Langham um, I I adore I just come out of working for um, for Valrona, the chocolate company, um, where I learned huge amounts of um, information. Obviously, a lot regarding chocolate, but pastry in general and working in general. And my biggest my biggest challenge personally was to implement a lot of the things I'd been teaching to professionals over the last seven years. Um, it was very easy to teach it, and and I, I, I was confident in what I was teaching, um, but it was it, the challenge was to put it really into practice in a five star hotel with a team of at that time twenty pastry chefs, um, and and there were big changes and and big changes um, at that time in the hotel. Obviously, uh, the previous chef had been Cherish Finden, who. who fantastic job there um but the key creative ideas i think i wanted to make um i wanted to make what people ate in the hotel delicious um i wanted people to eat uh cakes with their with them with their tea at, at the tea time and i wanted them to be um bluntly dribbling and <laughs> because they were so excited 
about eating their cakes. I wanted them to have cream around their faces. I wanted, I wanted that, um, I suppose that childlike enjoyment of eating a cake. Um, and I think I've been there now four years with a, with a, a little COVID gap. Um, and, and I think I think more and more in my mind now, um, that's what I want. I, I want people to, to really enjoy what they're eating and, and, over, over, I sound like an old person, but I, I, over the many years of, of making pastries, I've worked in, as you've said previously, uh, Michelin restaurants, and the kind of food that I, I think I, th- I thought was right at that time in, in those restaurants was to make food that would almost shock people, right? Yeah, or pastry or desserts shock people, and um, with with crazy ingredients that they'd never heard of, or with <laughs> techniques that had never been done before, or, or, or were very new at the time, and older as a, in the profession it's desserts i think should be are enjoyed and people can enjoy them more when they can relate to them um and the nostalgic thing the um the the you know we can as we do the custard cream is the the famous biscuit on the afternoon tea um if we can the the british public i would imagine 99 percent of them know what a custard cream is and they know the first time that they did their cup of tea and it fell in or it didn't and they some of them eat it by chewing around the edge some of them split it in half and lick the custard off and so true now I want it to make desserts and, and pastries and cakes that people can can relate to simply um, and so I think the older I get in the profession the more simplistic the cakes become because it's more of an understanding of the customers it's it's almost now I've really understood I want to please the customer more than please myself and Possibly previously, it was to do things that interested me more than anything. It's a big role reversal. Um, and, and so simply, um, after all that blurb, no, simply, fantastic. It, it, it's making cakes that um, that people can relate to. Um, and so that's where um, we came back from. So it was the first return from lockdown. And we were, I, I got a phone call a couple of weeks before and, and Andrew, we need to do a new afternoon tea. Um, Oh, obviously, we need to do a new afternoon tea. We haven't seen you for however long it was. And the subject we want to work on is British. Um, and, and and that was my two weeks before going back to work. What are we going to do? Um, and, and and just to add to that, we're going to be filming it because we're doing a show. <laughs> yes, so yeah, no when pressure. you come back, you're <laughs> filming it at the same time. So interesting. Um, and actually, it was, it was just a really quick off-the-cuff thought. Um, what's British, what goes with afternoon tea or what goes with tea and, and biscuits do. And so at that time as well, that thought of um, nostalgia, um, how the customers that we were going to be getting initially at, back at the hotel in the afternoon tea would be British because of the travel restrictions that were happening. So creating something that they could associate with that was comforting after having a year and a half, two years of, of not being not being out or not going out, not enjoying hotels. Yeah, and, and, certainly not socialising and, and, yes, enjoying each other's company in that way. Yeah. Mm. It kind of all came together and made sense. Um, and and then the, the, the first biscuit, it was the custard cream. Um, I think I would said in that show, it was a packet of 15 biscuits for 23 pence. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've probably eaten a lot of them during lockdown. <laughs> So as your process now, obviously you've, you've got the subject title of biscuits, you're, you continue to change in and out. Is it a case now of you, you are working always on that next, uh, that next process? Because I, I, I know I have read that you love the creative process. It really is something that you've, 
very much enjoyed. Is that something now that you obviously still are in the kitchen? I'm not saying that you're not, but it's that idea of you really getting to think about what's coming next and how you're going to challenge and, and move things forward each time. Yeah, that that's a continual thing. And um, because just as a background within the hotel, we have we have the afternoon tea, we have um, we will have three restaurants by the end of the year, three restaurants open. Um, we have our events for up to a thousand people daily. We have so it's the the creative process is is nonstop because we've got the different outlets where we're where we're serving desserts from. To have so many things, obviously from week to week, permanently changing, um, numbers vary, etc. It, it just must be a real juggle, but obviously something that you do enjoy the madness. For me, that is the enjoyable thing of of the continual changing the enjoyment is the challenge of the of the changing and how can we make something better how can we maybe we'll take something that we've done two years ago and that we improve it because something's changed or an idea has changed even at times palettes have changed and i and currently i'm i'm finding my palette is changing um here we are i'm doing intermittent fasting and since i've been doing that i'm I'm eating in specific times and I'm eating, I think, a lot less. I'm not picking during the day, tasting, 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 tasting. Um, there's still, I'm allowed to taste during my hours, but there's, there's, but my palate is, I'm, I'm tasting things and things that we've done previously or that even on the menu now that we prepared, you know, um, before this had started. Oh, what's this? This is too sweet. Oh, this is, the flavors are really right. completely changing. And so it's a even more because he's they're saying what is he talking about you know last week this was fine and this week it's not and but that's that's i guess the, the the sensitivity and the amazing part of a how well trained those senses are for you but also the fact that you know you change something in the body you know then all of a sudden things can change like your your sense of taste the thing around the Platinum Jubilee is obviously there's this going to be no doubt quite a large influx uh, of, of international um, people coming to celebrate as well as obviously a lot of people from around the UK I know will be flocking to London for what looks like you guys have got some serious days of partying, um, at least four days worth yeah. of big things happening. You know, so is there anything for you, Chef, that you've really thought right in that period? Are you, are you focused on something that you're going to offer specific to that or is it you're just going to keep the general knowledge towards British because really that is obviously Her Majesty the Queen as well. We wanted to do something a bit different because we, or I expected in, in a lot of the hotels, they'll be doing fantastic teas that will have a crown, uh, a queen's hat, a carriage or, <laughs> or something. Yes. Queen-like. And I, honestly, I that's not my thing to, to do that. And as fabulous as it is, it's not for me. I Yeah, it's not for me. So... What 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 could we do? And and to try and continue in our cakes and biscuits theme, we've just done some research, and and it hasn't taken too long, but research to find out cakes and biscuits and desserts that the royal family, the specific members of the royal oh, family, enjoy. Right, fantastic. That must have been very interesting. Yeah. So, for instance, the queen, um, the queen, and let me get it right, Prince William, um, according to our sources, love a chocolate biscuit cake so it's a cake um 
with chocolate and biscuits, basically. I, I must be honest, I have read that actually in, in one of yeah. the Queen's books that I have, uh, someone has written that about her before and I've always thought to myself, well, geez, that's the best of both worlds, a cake and a biscuit putting together. Uh, in my basic terms, you've hit gold. Exactly. And so um, we, that's one of the cakes. So it's a, we've turned it into it. So it, there will be the basis of those textures in the cake. There's, there'll be chocolate and there'll be biscuit in some form. And we've, um, we've, Giovanni, the the master magician, as we call him, he's. <laughs> uh, we have a machine that we can make molds, so we can we can he designs three D three D designs and and gets them printed, and then we have these templates that we're able to make molds, and we've made a a coin with the queen's head on, and this will kind of funk up the cake a little bit and make it look as it should be. So it's, that's a sharing cake. Um, apparently. Princess Kate likes toffee pudding. So, and again, perfect. Another British Absolutely. classic. So we've done something to do a, a toffee pudding miniature cake. Uh, Prince Philip was a, was a fan of, it's called a crepe Islandaise, which is pancakes with raspberry jam. Um, and so we've done a kind of a layered sponge skier cream. So the, the uh, Icelandic yogurt, so a bit of acidity and raspberry, and we've done a, a kind of a layered miniature cake there. And at the wedding of Prince Philip and the Queen, they had a chocolate and mint bomb, so a, a iced mint mousse with chocolates, etc. We've turned that into a tart. Uh, and is there another one? A Welsh cake. So again, I don't know if it's, it's very stereotypical, but Prince Charles apparently likes Welsh cakes. Um, so we've done something, uh, a classic Welsh cake griddled with peach and, and, and elderflower. Oh, gorgeous. Um, My favourite. Hmm. They're all, they're all cakes that are, there's some association with Queen and they continue for us, they continue the theme of the, the, the tradition eggs and biscuits, I suppose. Um, so we will do the sketches as well as on the menu and, and yeah, it, 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 it I think there are so many different angles that we can go from and use. And I wouldn't say the biscuits are endless, but there are a load of biscuits that we can use. And eventually it might change and it might become international and it might become, who knows. You try and keep things, you know, flavour is, is obviously paramount, but then that feeling that you did, did describe about not walking away feeling like oh you know like we all do you know undo the belt so to speak I say I'm stuffed I couldn't eat anymore you know trying to reduce that reduce the in brackets unnecessary colorings and you know there really is a consciousness to that isn't there in your creating super yeah definitely it's the dessert it simply it came down to this in 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 restaurants so in great restaurants people um they had starter main course. Sometimes they had twelve courses before they arrived to the to the desserts. <laughs> yes. And so, when de dessert was mentioned in, in, to people in restaurants, and still today, when dessert is mentioned, it's oh no, I'm too full. I can't eat this. Um, you know, I've had enough, and and so I just want a coffee and and done. And that's frustrating because. Well, you've you've made it on their behalf, yes. You're, and the thing is, nobody creates anything to not want to share it. That's the whole point. It doesn't matter what no. you're creating. You want to be able to share it with more people, the better. Uh, no, I appreciate that completely. And so we, it was to come up at that time, it was to come up with desserts that the, the, the waiter could propose that were just super light, um, super fresh, super light. And the biggest one is chocolate. When you mention chocolate in a dessert, 
before before chocolate has come out of you, it almost finished leaving your mouth, the guest is already making that face of, no, I'm just too full. And so how could we, you know, we had to learn techniques and, and techniques just in the making of a chocolate cream that could make it feel lighter. That feeling of chocolate and then not feeling it. That was, and so, yes, in, 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 in the creation, we do really try not to use colorings because they're just not good for you. Um, and, and they're not natural. They're becoming now more and more natural, um, the colorings that you can get. But rhubarb, um, and it's the Yorkshire rhubarb that we were using, it's, it's finished now, but um, it's just absolutely the be- most beautiful pink that you can find. And it means if we kept the cake pink naturally with the rhubarb, it meant that the rhubarb was just cooked, so the flavour was as fresh as it could be. It had just enough acidity. It was like eating a stick of poached rhubarb. And, and that's, I think, in, in the cakes that we do. The, the custard cream has a, a vanilla cream that is just loaded with vanilla, loaded, loaded, loaded with vanilla. We... A little tip for everybody who's who uses vanilla, um, very often you'll see on the TV show, scrape the vanilla seeds out, put them in the milk and apparently do something with a vanilla pod or put it in the bin, as a, I'm sure it happens. We we just take the vanilla, the whole pod, we put it into a blender and we blitz it until oh, the milk is black, the whole thing. And so you get flavour of the vanilla, um, but the cream is black. Um, it's, but it's a real, it gets my brain going because you sort of, it, it's not what you expect it to be, but then obviously the flavour is also not what you expect it to be. I should imagine it packs a real punch. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> when I ask chefs who have just joined or, or talk to people, what colour is vanilla ice cream? And vanilla ice cream in most people's eyes is yellow. And it's yellow because eggs were used in vanilla ice cream. Well, to understand my thinking, I look at a vanilla ice cream, I want it to taste the vanilla. Yes. So if I can find a way to not put, to take away flavours that deter from the vanilla, i.e. eggs, um, I'm going to try and make a vanilla ice cream that doesn't have eggs in. It's incredible. And so, and so our vanilla ice cream is grey, black, because it is vanilla, there's no eggs in it, and so it has a much fresher a quicker melt, a much fresher, uh, or you get to the vanilla flavour much quicker because the eggs don't. No barrier, isn't it amazing? No barrier, yeah. So it's like that. How can we make? Um, and it was a company, uh, a very famous Spanish company that do all sorts of products for foods. Their boss, he just explained this many years ago, and how he makes products that take away products that cover your the flavours. And, and since then, it's what I've always tried to do is make cakes that taste of what they say on the menu and not a hint of. Um, so they might not be beautiful and pretty and full of loads of decorations, but when you eat them, they taste of what they should do, I think. I suppose it's appreciating the ingredient for what it is. Um, and, and there are so many ingredients on this earth you always find something that somebody will like, but it, it's you can find thousands of flavors. Um, but what we what we have to do, um, and it's it's taken time for me to understand it. But what we have to do is we have to give flavors that our customers can relate to. There is I'm going completely off here, but there is a every two years there's a, um, a pastry World Cup, so oh. teams from around the world three members of a, in a team they will go to Lyon in France to a, a, the Syrah food show 
and they do uh, is it eight or ten hours of making a plated dessert, uh, a chocolate cake, a an ice cream cake, a chocolate sculpture, sugar sculpture, and I think an ice sculpture still. Oh, that's incredible! So they spend twelve hours. They tr- they train for two a year, two years. They're training to to be so brilliant, and and then how it works on on the day. So there's two days, twelve teams on each day, and they have twenty four judges tasting their food, and so it's another thing I. I did some work with them um, for the UK team, and with Varona, we were the big, a big sponsor of the competition. Right, so yes. I saw a lot of that time. But the twenty-four judges are tasting dishes from twenty uh, from twenty-four countries. So there are going to be foods from from Australia. There's foods from I don't know from Thailand. There's kind of all over the world. And so there are those twenty-four judges. Some of them aren't going to relate to um, the Cox apple from from the UK, but they relate to raspberry. They relate to passion fruit. They relate to basically products that companies or puree companies sell to us. They relate to a specific chocolate. And so, uh, working with the team, it was we we came to the understanding that we have to give not so much work on British products, but on products that these we can give to 24 judges and they will associate with. Yes, see, because that's, because you're, I presume you don't know where those 24 judges are coming no. from. So, you know, that's international flavour uh, of recognition. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's incredible. And so, so there's 10, 10 flavours that they will, uh, that, that 24 judges will, so we have to do something with using one of those flavours. And the same in... Uh, at work in the Langham, we have to make products. We have guests from all over the world. The majority in in the afternoon tea will be British because over the year the majority will be British. But if we're giving them flavours that you know we think are great and crazy and lovely and it's something new and something different, then they're going to sit there and say, "What is this?" Yes. yes, it tastes nice, but what is it? If we're giving them vanilla, everybody has a vanilla ice cream in the UK. They have a Mr. Whippy in the ice in the in the <laughs> UK, whether there's vanilla in it or not, they, and so we've given by doing this whole this whole biscuit thing. I'm kind of going back on and repeating it, but it is that nostalgic. We understand what we're eating. Yes, and if we can make it taste better than than the custard cream, better than the pink wafer, or our interpretation of it, and explain that story, and I think that's a really another thing. I think you'd mentioned it, but. There is a story behind all of our cakes and a reason why we do them. And that's explained in the drawings that we have on the on the menu because that was another worry at the beginning. We most of the guests will be from from the UK, but we might have some people coming from from somewhere and they've got no idea what's going on. So the, the pictures kind of brought that together and, and explained what we were doing to to guests who didn't know about the biscuits. But if we can have a story in what we're making, why we're doing it, etc., it just adds, and I think it it, it gives us, it, yeah, it just gives us a, a, some some depth in what we're doing, and, and it's it's nostalgia, and and it's the simplicity of that. It's just that warm feeling, and and so my mum, you said it, my mum is French, um, and she would make cakes. She would make cakes at home um, when we were kids, and. Out of the three brothers, I ate the most, um, and I I know that I know that smell of. And there's a cake that she 
she makes every time one of us goes to her goes to the goes to the house she makes this cake um my my brother's children her grandchildren they know this cake they go and they expect this cake they expect it <laughs> and it, it's a simple sponge cake with raisins in and if you're lucky if she had them in the cupboard she put chocolate chips in how and amazing it, she gray bakes it she cuts it into rectangles she leaves it on a rack, on a wire rack to to cool and i promise you as a kid i ate five before they were cold <laughs> and, she was, and and it's still the same this cake comes out at home and, and and she we're there and we eat it she hides it in tins still it's almost a joke of her she hides it we go and find we know she lives in france um two of us we live in in the uk um she's still hiding this cake when we go there and we and she knows we're gonna and we still go looking in the tins as we used to where is this cake but that to me is just what childlike fun i mean really that's yeah. where fun and food and yeah. and also family it all is full circle isn't it at that point you know because i it was actually something i was going to ask you about you know you know what's a family favorite but i think you've more than answered that question that's that's something really special because your mum's kicked that off but obviously the grandchildren are now uh you know poor poor grandma's getting pestered left right and center for for that now yeah. and they turn up I just think that's magic because that's something that if they ever have that, you know, if you cook it for them, then they're thinking of her or they're thinking of family. I just think that that's absolutely, it's really what it's all about, isn't it? It, it is. And there's there's one cake, but it's my cake. So she, uh, my mum, she makes, there's a cake. My, my older brother, he has an apple cake that she makes and mum the, the mum and dad live in Normandy um, and they have an orchard in their garden. So apples oh. are abundant. Yes. But she's she make this. I remember, and it wasn't my favourite, but my older brother loved it, and so she will make him an apple cake. She makes my younger brother whatever he wants because he's the youngest, he so him. he gets whatever he wants. <laughs> she makes me a traditional fruit cake, and she puts the difference for me is that she puts sprinkles demerara sugar on it. Oh, and so when you have a slice, you eat it, and it crunches. But the most important thing, it has to be in the orange Tupperware container. Oh, so, really? Yes. If she comes to to England, she brings the orange Tupperware container, and I have to take. I have to either have to eat the cake before she goes back, or I have to find another tin to put it in, so that she can take it back. And she and when I go to France, she will have the fruit cake in the orange Tupperware container. It's all part of it. And in that thing of, I'm always I'm salivating thinking about it, but it, it's I almost don't care about the cake. It's all it's the box. It's opening the lid. The smell. It's. I know I've eaten many times from I eat from that cake from the from the tub I turn the cake on the lid I cut it I use it as a chopping board there's the crumbs <laughs> in the it, it, but that's what I try and do with the cakes that we do for the afternoon tea it's all of those feelings that we try and get and and as I say to the chefs when so quite often we say right we're changing the menu in in one of the restaurants whatever you let's you know this is the theme give us some desserts and they say, oh, what can we do? We don't know what to do. And I say, well, the most important thing is that you make something that you like. Yes. As in, you're going to eat. And, and if you make something that you like or you've got some recollection of, you know, your mum made it or you've gone to a restaurant and you've eaten something with these flavours and you just, they were so delicious, there's a huge chance that the guests or the, the customers that will eat this will enjoy it as well because if you're just making something because it looks great in your picture on Instagram, 
then who cares about it? But if you can, if you make something and make something that you like yourself, that you enjoy. So the Italian guys will make, and it's not it, but they will make a tiramisu, and they will make the best tiramisu that you've ever eaten because it's what they could relate to. It's what their mum made. It's what their grandmother made. It's what they've made since for their children, and it is delicious. Yeah. But and. and You'll say tiramisu. I had tiramisu here. No, this is tiramisu. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it, I think that's the homeliness to that as well. No. They're each bringing their own little piece of home to the plate. And, you know, in some ways yeah. that is the concept of sharing as well, isn't it? Obviously, you go to an afternoon tea, specifically, I'm talking now about the afternoon tea, but you're, you're obviously sitting there with people that you want to share time with, you want to share a moment with, but you're also sharing something with them you know then if if that's the story behind everything that's being made you know you you as chefs are getting the chance to share something with people who are sharing their time together it's it's really a um it's a bigger picture moment isn't it that stuff yeah i mean yeah definitely you know my my dream would be that afternoon tea could be not so um not so silver service and more you know, noshing. eating with your hands, really. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. I would love noshing. Yeah. Great word. Um, you know, that's uh, that's a long way off, but that would be my dream of uh, that sharing, that eating with your hands is a different sensation of eating with, a, you know, a silver spoon and fortnight. Um, to have afternoon tea that you could do that. And as I've said a few times, I think, just that feeling of that cake in your mouth and you're just yeah. cream around your lips, you know, <laughs> picture of that, that sort of thing. Um, but that's what the feeling that you want to kind of generate when people eat. If you were going to serve the Queen something to have with her cup of tea, and God love her, I love thinking of this moment that amongst all this madness that's going on, she might just be sat there with a nice cup of char in the afternoon, putting her feet up. What would be something that you would like to give to her just to have with her cup of tea? I think the custard cream. Yeah. Simply the custard cream. It, because it's it's just good. It's good and it's, it's British. <laughs> don't often say it's good, it's great, it's wonderful what we do, but it is good. Yeah. It's just a good yeah. I can imagine her sitting there having that, to be honest with you. If you were to have a cup of tea with one person, Andrew, who would it be? Um uh, there's loads of people. I bet. But the first one in my head was John Barnes the footballer because I adored him as a kid. He was Oh, that's priceless. I don't there are many chefs and there are many famous people, but do you know what? John Barnes the footballer. Yeah. There we are. But there's there's the child in you, like the inner child that says, I just want to sit down yeah. with my soccer hero, you know, and, and my footy hero and just that's that's priceless to me. And I tell you what, you'd probably end up having a pot, not a cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you get chance to put a, a piece of music on, a sound, a, a, you know, is there a particular artist or song or genre that goes perfectly with that five-minute cup of tea for you um, that sort of is your moment, if you know what I mean, something that you would listen to because you're enjoying it? Yeah, currently there is, a, um, there is a band called Snarky Puppy, an American band, and they are absolutely fabulous musicians and Anything that they play will sit me down and blow my mind away. Look, Andrew, I, I can't even begin to thank you for today's conversation. Honestly, I could keep talking to you for the next week. Thank you so much for today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks very much. <laughs>